Hello, and welcome to a very special Kraken Krakoa live post-game report. I'm debuting founder and editor-in-chief of comicbookherald.com. I'm joined today by my two esteemed colleagues who've been on the Kraken Krakoa live streams in the past. We're going to be talking all things Planet Size X-Men, the huge issue that came out today. I've got with us Ernie from Blurred Without Fear and Verno from the Cerebros podcast. Ernie, how are you doing today? Oh, man. Uh, better now that Planet Size X-Men is here. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel Likewise. like I can do anything now. <laughs> absolutely, Anything's absolutely. Possible. Verno, how are you feeling? How are you feeling with the day's comics? I feel equally fantastic, Dave. I pre- really appreciate you having me on, man. Absolutely. Yeah, no, so we're excited. We're going to be talking all things Planet Size X-Men. Um, get your questions in here in the chat on the live stream. And uh, again, the Super Chat is open if you want to you know, really get it read here. Um, but we're going to be talking basically what happened today. So if you haven't read the issue and you don't care about spoilers, cool, you're in the right place. If you do care about spoilers, go read that comic. Highly recommended, essential to what's going on in X-Men. Um, it was Planet Size, and then it was New Mutants number 19 and X-Corp number 2 were the X-Men issues that came out today. But obviously, we're going to be focused on the big centerpiece of the Hellfire Gala. And I think the first question that I want all of us to address, and I think you know we kind of got the general tone and the vibes today, which I think is is the consensus, is like, all right, think, this was pretty good. <laughs> like, like, this is pretty enjoyable. <laughs> um, this was a really fun issue, drawn by Pepe Larraz, uh, colors by Marte, Gra- Marte Gracia. Like, obviously that is, like, it feel, it's an event comic, like when those, when those creators are involved. But you got Jerry Duggan writing it. And Jerry Duggan is, you know, what we'll talk a little bit, I think, about his standing in the X line, but it's not Jonathan Hickman, right? It's not the head of right. X. So it is different, right? It's not, it's not quite on that level necessarily. Uh, Vernal, let's start with you. Did this issue live up to your expectations? Did it exceed them or did it fall short? Let's start there. Well, Dave, my expectations weren't huge because I don't know. I've been let down quite a bit recently, but it didn't meet my expectations. Pepularaz was amazing. I enjoyed the issue. I'm super excited about what it, the future of the X line and what's going to be going on on Mars and everything. But I was a little, I've read it twice now. I read it once yesterday and then once right before the stream, and I wanted to come on here and gush about it. I wanted to be like, oh, my God, my mind was blown. I don't want to be negative, but I wasn't blown away, and I was slightly, just slightly a little bit bored, to be honest with you. It wasn't the most entertaining comic book hmm. to me. Interesting. But I, I, I love the art, and I, I like where they're going with it. I can hear that. I can hear that. Uh, Ernie, what did, what did you think? Did it meet your expectations? Did it exceed, or did it fall short? Uh, I'll say it exceeded because I literally didn't know what to expect. Like I, I was like, okay, I don't, I don't know what's happening here. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, I don't know, I don't, I don't know what's gonna go. It's planet size X Men. I thought they were just joking. I thought they were being facetious. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then, but but now actually having gone back because you know, you're doing you know, doing research, you're know, trying to try and see how all these things connect. Going back and looking at some of the wording that's been used in like Way of X, uh, X Force, and you know, various other comics, I'm kind of like. Oh yeah, I should have seen this coming. Right, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, with the benefit of hindsight, uh, I could definitely say, uh, had I known then what I know now, yeah, I'd probably be like, oh, okay, this is about what I expected. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's definitely a flex. It's definitely a flex. Right. Uh, there's some areas where I do feel the comic isn't exactly where it needs to be. I, I, I kind of get what what what, uh, what Verno's saying here. Um, like, I, I still I love the comic though. But uh, yeah, there's there's a couple of spots. I kind of wish we had gotten just a little bit more 
uh, <laughs> out of uh, you know, maybe some maybe you know we, we we get these pages talking about you know, the breaking down various things. I wish we'd have gotten a little bit of that with the uh, Omega level uh, Iraqi uh, mutants, but yeah, that, that that's a small criticism. Right. <laughs> well, I think you're right though that like I think the Hellfire Gala as a whole, and this is something I've been talking about. It's sort of it's very patient. And it's patient in a way that, I, honestly, it embodies a lot of, like, this era of X-Men and kind of the Hickman ethos, where it's very giving things out in pieces, giving things out in little bite-sized morsels, where, as voracious readers of X-Men content, we're like, give me give me everything. Give me all the big stuff in every moment. And even Planet Size X-Men, which I think delivers. And I would say, like, my pick on that is it met my expectations. Um and then surpass them just enough where I'm very happy with the issue. But Verno, I kind of, I'm kind of with you in the sense of it being like, it's kind of procedural, you know, it's kind of like, right. it's like, it's fun to watch in some degree, like just Laraz and Gracia on a creative level depict the Omega level mutants terraforming Mars. But I think mm -hmm. from a conceptual, what's happening, why is this a huge moment in the Marvel universe thing? There's a, there's definitely a part of me, especially the first time I read it, where I was like, yeah, but I knew they were gonna terraform Mars. Right. Like, like that was that was telegraphed for for months now. And actually, one thing I saw, and I didn't catch this myself, but if you go back and read X Men number fourteen, Idol of Araco, the prophecy is the two lands will be split split forever under a, a red moon or something like that under a red star. And it's like they. I love how much they're telling us what's going to happen without telling us what's going to happen. That makes it, that makes the prediction game, it makes the theory game all very fun. Um, where I think this slowly but surely did exceed my expectations was I was not, I was nowhere near as clear in calling Planet Araco. Right. I was not, right. like, it was like, okay, I think there's a, I think there's a way this connects. I think, you know, Araco, they need something else other than being on Earth. They need some sort of galactic conquest or whatever it's going to be. Um, but I was not, I, at no point did I say the words Planet Araco and think that was what it was going to be. And it, that was very cool <laughs> to see. Um, that was kind of thrilling. And I think on that level, it, it really succeeded. I think, just to my overall point to begin with, though, the Hellfire Gala, it's still, because it's this event that span, spans the entire month, it's still reliant on now Sword Number 6, picking up more of those pieces. And, you know, so it's like we never get the full, oh, this is why this rules. Um, but Planet Size, but Planet Size is the best info we've gotten and the best development we've seen in the X Men universe. I mean, literally in 2021, I think. Um, and there's been some really cool stuff, especially in the later Hickman issues. You know, all mm -hmm. the stuff with the Vault, all the stuff in uh, in issue 20, right? Um, even just the conversation with Namor, which now I feel like you know, any anytime you can make Namor look like yeah. a clown, I'm into it. Like I'm here for that. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I, that, that's my favorite part of this whole thing so far. Right. <laughs> is I, I, can we get that comic? Right. Can, can can we get a Namor like a like a can we get a Hellfire Gala? You know, Namor number one, just one shot. I just want to see Namor in his feelings. Just right him now. strutting uh -huh. through the gala. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. I do want some. I do want some more reaction shots now, which presumably is how right. this, how the rest of these times will fill out. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's very good. I think everyone involved. I think like one thing that I'm interested in seeing is as Duggan kind of rolls into this second lieutenant role with Hickman, where like. You know, he wrote the Marauders that built into the Hellfire Gala. He wrote Planet Size now. He's writing X-Men for the relaunch with Pepe Larraz doing the ongoing. Like, he's the guy as Hickman kind of catches his breath, I think, and builds toward Inferno, which he's, you know, they're teasing as the sequel to Hox Pox, right? Um, but, you know, I, I definitely have questions about 
Duggan's creative capabilities by comparison. I think he's often very good. I rarely, his stuff in the past, I've rarely been like, this is some of my favorite work. You know what I mean? Um, but I think this issue today, like he knows how to play with LaRaz and that might be his greatest strength is like, you don't have to have a million words on the page when the visuals are storm creating a planet that can you know be <laughs> hospitable to life. Like you just don't have right. to. And I think he gets that uh, very, very well. So I'm excited in that regard. If um, I could just exp exp mm -hmm. expand on what I was saying a little bit, I think I had a chance to watch your video like right before I got on, mm -hmm. and you said you didn't expect them to get as into the details of terraforming Mars as they did. And yeah. though I enjoyed that, I, I mean, that was the book. It was, we're going to go and have all these Omega level mutants, and we're going to show you how their powers can bind terraform Mars. But it was like, it did that the whole time. Was There wasn't that twist that I was hoping for other than the, the planet Araco thing, which I did enjoy. So that was, I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm down talking it. I just wanted something bigger. You know what I mean? Something yeah, planet yeah. sized possibly. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think the reason why for me, I think it worked I, and, and it has nothing to do with the comic itself. <laughs> it has yeah. nothing to do yeah. with the comic itself. It's just the fact that uh, a, a, a little ways back, I actually sat down with Chris Claremont. And he talked about a story like this, like something that he wanted that, that he wanted for Magneto to do mm -hmm. to just terraform Mars, make his own planet do his own thing and say, you know, we don't need Earth anymore. We got our own stuff up here. Yeah, we're, we're good. We're good. Right. And it was like seeing that in action and then also kind of knowing, like, like re having read up about this, like the actual real world plans, <laughs> like real world studies about how to do it. And I was just like, wow, they actually took this and they made it into a comic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I agree. I'm interested in that, too. I've, I've read yeah, some stuff about it. Watched some videos. It's the stuff that's happened outside of the comic that I think has enhanced the comic more. Uh, you know, kind of like what Dave was saying, like, you know, like it's the stuff that's already happened that we already know about, the stuff that's kind of tying into it, the callbacks. That, I think, is actually what pushed this book over the edge. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and made it a, a more enjoyable read, it, it, at least for me. But yeah, all in all, though, I, do, I will say the, the, the actual talk of terraforming, I'm not going to lie, my eyes glazed over a little. <laughs> But um, but actually, you know, kind of getting more into what they were actually trying to do, like like the the nature of it, like how they just like you think about the the, the level of firepower they had to do this, right? Like you got Storm, you got Vulcan, <laughs> you know, dude, what what <laughs> you got Iceman? Like you just literally have all of these Omega level mutants just sitting here, just like yeah, yeah, we're just gonna do the thing, right? <laughs> right, and <laughs> it's I. Like I the game of terraforming mars i've ever seen in my life <laughs> and the coolest thing too for me was that they did need help you know like i did appreciate that it wasn't like you couldn't just roll out all the krakoan omega levels like you had to go to right. Rocco. i mean jamie counts as krakoan i guess but he's also in other world um so i i did appreciate that you know and i i think to what both of you are saying too like i definitely the second time i read it i got out of my head a little bit about it and was like okay it's easy to take for granted like that maybe like some of this stuff, like we knew they were going to do something with Mars. Okay. But, but how they did it, I think is very cool. And also mm -hmm. like, you do have to respect and appreciate that. Like, yeah. in the history of the Marvel universe, which is very cosmic and all sorts of crazy things happen. And there's titanium eternals on moons of Saturn. And like, you know, we're accustomed to this in the Marvel comics verse, but like 
no one straight up claimed Mars before. <laughs> like that hasn't happened. Right. You know, like that's a flex. That is a flex, <laughs> absolutely. And it's like mm. they they just claimed a planet. They claimed the solar system. Really, is what they did. And it's like that that level of it. I think it's all almost just based on implication. You know, within this issue, like we're gonna see the ramifications of this for months and months and possibly for years, right. as we now have the potential at least to sit in a true reign of X where mutants are like, we own, we have a mutant space empire, you know? And mutant kind has never operated on the level of the Shi'ar, of the Kree Skrull, of any of these known empires before. And actually seeing them start that and not just play little Earth games, you know, which is most of what Marvel Comics is, that's extremely exciting to me. Cause that's like, oh yeah, this is new and this is different. And six months ago or seven months ago or whatever, there was no Araco in the consciousness of Marvel Comics to even put on Mars. So, like, there's a newness and a freshness to this that I definitely need to, to step back and say, this is cool. This, is, this allows for very new storytelling, and um, it's going to lead to some, to some really cool, uh, you know, stuff for, for Marvel's mutants. Um, all right, quick question that I think maybe has an easy answer. But the, in the one of the data pages towards the end of Planet Size X-Men, they mention that... I think Planet Araco is the capital of the solar system. And they say something to the effect of, like, you know, galactic councils will meet here. And then something about the regent of Sol. Okay, so, like, who's going to be the regent of this solar system of where we are? I feel like there's only one answer, but I want to hear from both of you. Who do you think is going to be the regent of Sol? Uh, Verno, we can start with you. Uh, it it kind of seemed like they were implying... Storm, did it not? Is, were yeah. you guys getting that vibe? I feel like the the narration while they were saying that you're seeing Storm show up and walk into this big building, right? Am mm-hmm. I remembering that correctly? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be Storm. I think I it's Storm. So. That would sure. be awesome. That's kind of where my head was at too. Like, it not initially, but like kind of after thinking about, it, I was like, oh man, it probably is going to be Storm. Like, honestly, my my head was kind of like saying, and it was like. Hey, would it be Apocalypse? Like, yeah, we know Apocalypse is coming back, but mm-hmm. yeah, Storm makes like kind of the most sense because even towards the end of the comic, you could tell like she like she was in tune uh, with the planet. Yeah, like you know, they're talking about, oh, it's raining. She's like, oh, I didn't do that. Right. Like the the, the planet is crying tears of joy, and I was like, that's actually a really beautiful line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm disappointed Apocalypse didn't show up in this issue. Now that I think about it, it hadn't really dawned on me. We got a nice statue of him. That was pretty oh, yeah, dope, Jim, but yeah, it would have been nice to get a, a big blue manic uh, pop up in this. It is interesting to see. I, I think one of my favorite things about the setup here is, so first off, I agree with both of you. I think for sure it's going to be Storm. We've been seeing it teased that, um, you know, she's she's kind of bored with Earth in a way. Um, and like, you know, she's setting her sights to the stars. What does that mean? It, pretty clearly it's going to be some sort of relationship with S.W.O.R.D. and becoming the regent. I think like mutants don't have to stop here is the other thing, you know, like, I I think probably we'll get a pause, but it's also like, okay, so you have the ability to now make planets um, hospitable for mutant kind, like, Mm. Storm could continue this path, like, basically, like, silver surfering through the galaxy, finding what are the next mutant (laughs) planets, you know, like, that's, that's an option, which could be interesting. Yeah. Um, But I'm also really interested in seeing, like, where do we go from here with the Iraqi mutants? What are they going to be doing? Where do we go from here with mutant relationships with other space empires, you know, with sword diplomacy and all that. And then where do we go from here with like the fact that like mutant kind hasn't like owned earth. <laughs> like there's still a lot of 
problems that they have there. Mm -hmm. There's still Orcus, there's still Xeno, there's still all these very like longstanding human versus mutant prejudice kind of problems that they have. So what are your, what are both of your thoughts in terms of where do we go from here? Like, what does this most set up the potential for? Uh, Ernie, let's start with you. Um, I feel like eventually at some point, the other shoe is going to drop with the Rocco because we, we got some things uh, in this comic that little subtle hints that they have no intention uh, of changing who they are mm-hmm. or, or, or anything like that. You know, there, there's certain little lines uh, that, that, that come up. Yeah, and, and it does make me wonder, like, if eventually at some point, you know, are they going to get to a point where they feel like they don't need, you know, the Krakoan mutants? Right. Because uh, they already kind of had a low opinion of them in the first place. Uh, you know, with you know, how they felt they were too soft, or they you know, had never fought for anything, or or anything like that. And they, they like, they're they're a warrior. They're, they're kind of, I guess, in a way, what we were told. Uh, like the chimeras were like in uh like in powers of 10 yeah where it was like yeah hey you know this is we're they're they're a warrior nation now uh that's kind of what they remind me of but i feel like yeah something's gonna go down with the iraqi um i definitely feel like this is not gonna be something that's gonna go unchallenged uh by the verindi or xeno or orcus or anyone else for that matter um yeah, because when you, you you make big grandstanding uh, acts like this, you're gonna piss somebody off, mm-hmm. you know. And it's uh, and we and we already know that you know these different groups are planning things. Uh, I think what was it uh, in Marauders, uh, Marauders twenty one? We saw you know Ruben Brousseau and the Verindi, uh, Nata- was it uh, Natalia Volick? They were all coming together and conspiring over some stuff, and we don't even know what they're planning, right? But we know that they know something. <laughs> and they are pretty much like they're they're ready to strike any moment. Mm-hmm. And Zeno has already shown that they they really don't care. Right. Uh, like these guys are out here collecting DNA and uh, and, and just stuff is everywhere. I, like there's all kinds of little loose threads <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, in this entire uh, arc. Like no one's even talking about the fact that there's like a whole facility where there's like a, 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 a decommissioned Nimrod just chilling. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, with one of the Wolverine issues. It's right. like, there's all sorts of problems out there. Like there's no end of uh, terrible humans. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm still not even entirely sure about uh, uh, Dolores from uh, Exodus because she seemed so nice at one point and Right. Then she kind of seemed kind of evil, and then she seemed nice again, and I don't trust her. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. she looks she looks so different depending on the artist that draws her too. Yeah, I'll have to be like, is that is that her? But yeah, <laughs> unless there's a memo, I'm never sure if it's Dolores. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at this point, but I I am skeptical as well. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I mean, I think the there's a there was a lot of talk in this issue of like basically like oh Araco, like you want to conquer everything. Like, what if we and Magneto's like kind of playing word games with them. He's like, yeah, but what if instead of conquering, we conquered Mars? And like that might work for like moving them there. But I think long term, like again, like they're not just going to be content to be like, oh, cool. We're here now. Like, I don't know. I, I kind of was like, I don't know if I fully buy that they're not eventually going to want more in terms of conquest and in terms mm-hmm. of like moving out there. I think in the short term, maybe yes, because like they've basically they've lived a hell life in a hell dimension. Oh, yeah. 
for for generations, right? So it's like maybe this actually would be exactly what they need. Um, but I'll be curious to see, you know, eventually like exactly what that relationship is because it's not a it's not a super clear allyship between mm-hmm. Krakoa and Arako. You know, they are very separate mindsets, very separate um, desires. I think uh, too the one piece that you mentioned there too, Ernie, is like how much of a celebration this issue is despite all of the threats. That's actually really refreshing. You know, I think mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, um, we, you know, I think of like House of X number six, right? At the end of the the House and Power series where it's like, yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to take a victory lap. We're going to have fireworks and we're going to celebrate mm-hmm. these awesome moments and developments for mutant kind in order to make it clear to readers that like, this is a moment, kind of like that quote from Emma Frost, like this is a moment. You'll, re- you don't want to miss this. Um, I think with terraforming Mars too, it's like, instead of undercutting that with, the plots of Arendi or the plots of Zeno or whoever, it's like, just have the moment, celebrate it. And then we know the threats are there. The threats will come, but I actually do very much enjoy and appreciate that. We do have a a question here in the super chat that I want to get to that you guys both just mentioned, which is that with Rocco and Mars, all the mutants in the other dimension with apocalypse, will they join them? Um, So this is something we saw teased in sinister secrets in the last issue was basically, it, it felt the most to me, like like Hickman tweeting almost, you know? It felt the most just like <laughs> a direct from the creator to the fans comment, which was effectively like, I haven't forgotten about Apocalypse, but it's going to be a minute before you see him. Um, mm-hmm. I don't expect we'll see Apocalypse on Mars anytime soon, just be- because of the nature of the way that, that Sinister Secret was worded. But what, it, what do you guys think for the future of Apocalypse? Oh man! I don't know Carl, why he wouldn't be it. on Mars, right? I mean, <laughs> unless I got I got the two experts here with me. He went to Arako, and yeah. all of Arako came to Mars. So I don't know, unless well, he's, he's got unfinished so he's, business back there. Yeah. So this is the this is the annoyingly complex <laughs> geography of Arako, which is that Arako is an island like Krakoa, right? And it was in another dimension known as Amenth. So Apocalypse right. is still trapped in Amenth. I don't totally get why he's trapped. I'll, okay. I'll admit that part. I think they. I think kind of the end of Ten of Swords was like, Apocalypse and Genesis have to go to Amenth. They have to seal that off, whatever that means, to keep Genesis um, or to keep the Annihilation Helm, you know, trapped there because Apocalypse takes that on. So to get them out of that realm, I that will happen. I'm kind of guessing mm-hmm. that's Endgame type stuff. You know, right. I'm kind of guessing that's the final story, they finally figure out a way to do that in order to bring in the cavalry from Amanth. But in the meantime, it's like they're trapped, I think, and they can't get to Araco. Like, that's my hmm. general understanding. Okay. I'm I'm thinking post-Inferno. Yeah. Like, not, yeah, not, not immediately, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was after Inferno, uh, just based on... The situation. I feel like mm. I feel like Apocalypse kind of needed to take a knee, even if he's not actually taking a knee. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it's like I miss him in these stories, mm. but at the same time, everything Ten of Swords was so Apocalypse heavy that it is kind yeah. of it's appropriate. There are a lot of mutants to talk about. Like there are a lot right. of mutants to give story and to give time to. And for, like think about like like we really haven't had Professor X content. He's like he's like omnipresent. Oh. But at the same time, it's like, what is the Professor X story? And there barely mm-hmm. is one. You know, we got a great Magneto showcase today. I think, like, it feels like this is going to be a good year for Magneto, both with what's going on here and with the trial of Magneto coming. So let's let's talk about that, because that's another question 
that I've been getting from listeners. And it was something that, honestly, I would not even be thinking about if it was just the Hellfire Gala and just Planet Size X-Men. I would have completely forgotten there was a trial of Magneto. Um, but mm-hmm. a number of people keep asking, and they're like, what are your theories for... Because this this issue in particular feels like... I mean, it's it's a victory lap for Mutantkind, but it's also like, what a flex for Magneto. Like, this is his mm-hmm. plan. He's the one who goes and gets all the pieces. He makes the the diplomacy work with Arako and Iska the Unbeaten and the, the Great Ring there. Um, he made this happen, essentially. And it seems to be a great thing. So what needs to happen to have a quote-unquote trial of Magneto, however literal that's going right. to take shape, you know, which is the mm. the big event that's coming. Um, do you guys have any theories or thoughts based on what happened today on what's next for Magneto, where that storyline makes sense? And I guess I'll just get the ball rolling with, like, I thought one of the coolest twists initially was going to be, like, if the trial wasn't a literal trial, but it was basically a testing of Magneto, and it was a testing mm. of Magneto at the hands of the Araco mutants. Because that's something we see Summoner say in Ten of Swords when he's playing that game with uh with Rockslide. He's like oh, yeah. he's like another word for this in our culture is a trial. So it's like that uh, language has been used before. Um, that's a good catch. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so they could put Mags on trial to like prove himself, but now now it kind of feels like, well did he already? I don't know. I'm like, did he already make that connection in in getting them to Mars? Like, what more does he need to prove to them? I, I don't know. I'm, yeah. I, that, I still like the idea, but I'm not sure how it plays out. Yeah, now that you say that, I'm kind of like, yeah, I don't think this trial of Magneto thing is going to be exactly what people expect it to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, okay, you know what? With the benefit of hindsight now and kind of thinking back on it, if there is one thing I did feel this issue was lacking, I do remember feeling like I read somewhere that, you know, we were going to get some kind of tease as to why he's, you know, quotey fingers on trial in the first place in this issue. Yeah. But I feel like nothing happened that was worthy of putting someone on trial, you know, whether it's in a, a, a figurative uh, manner or in an actual, like, literal manner. Like, right. I mean, I was like, if somebody, because they made it very clear, like, like, I feel like something was supposed to happen. I feel like it got either... Or maybe I misread it, or I don't know. But... I think it's an X factor that the next X factor issue mm-hmm. is when something is supposed to happen involving the trial of Magneto. It's whatever happens that's going to set that in motion. I think from the solicits of solicits of X factor, that's where it's supposed to happen. Okay, and now, then they even that say it's going to be like the X factor squad that is investigating. The I think it's a murder. I mean, they're pretty much laying it out. There's like a chalk line, yeah. a dead body. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can't remember so, if that's actually been said or if I just like theorized that. But definitely, I yeah. have a murder mystery set up in X Factor in my head. It's Leah Williams writing that. She's going to be mm-hmm. writing the trial. So like those pieces connect, and that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, see, that's tricky too. Because so let's say it is a murder mystery, which would be kind of fun. Um, right. If it's if it's like I don't it, it, that that alone is like well, who could it be? That would matter, <laughs> like, it, like that Magneto was care enough to be put on trial for, you know, because like there is a, a level of like complacency that he has to like agree to be put on trial. Like you're not going to get <laughs> Magneto to like accept that, you know. He's he's an Omega level mutant. He just uh, he just turned Mar. He just brought all the iron needed to make ours hospitable, Mars hospitable to 16 million mutants. Like dude's got power. So I mean, I I, I don't know. I'm just I'm curious who that could be that would like really matter. You know, it would be somebody like a. Like a Namor or like a Professor X, um, I feel like you know if it's a human, it's like 
the individual doesn't matter so much as just the Krakoan law then at that point. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. That feels simplistic. Um, that feels it's got to be there's got to be more mystery to it. I mean, the cool theory that I know a lot of people have been talking about is if it is a murder mystery, it's probably that Magneto's framed and it's probably by Mystique. Like that would tie the most cleanly into Inferno. You know, basically, mm-hmm. like if she has if she starts enacting now some plans to strike out at Magneto and Professor X for just being the coldest, cruelest possible people to her, essentially. <laughs> um, so that that I would like, I suppose. But again, that also feels predictable in a way that like a shape-shifting mystery shouldn't. So I don't know. Right. It, it could go a lot of ways. It's it's an interesting question, frankly. Yeah, I, I hope it's the murder mystery just because it sounds fun. I enjoy a good murder mystery. We haven't had anything like that in the, the Krakoa era. I think it would be fun. And there's a real challenge yeah. to like – to pulling that off in a way that, you know, to, to doing a Knives Out, to making it where right. it's like, like, there's a challenge to like, okay, how do we tell this story in a way that is extremely engaging, regardless of the whodunit of it all, which a lot right. of times can be kind of the Marvel's downfall with stuff where they're like, mm-hmm. who's the next Hulk? Who's the next Thor? And they can drag it out for, you know, a gazillion issues or whatever. And it's like, actually, that wasn't the interesting question. Like you missed, right. you missed what was actually cool about the story. So, all right, cool. So we'll look for obviously what's coming in, in Theory Magneto next. Um, let's see. We got some other questions from people. Uh, do we think that do, 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 uh, in hindsight, how important was Messiah complex for this era of X-Men hope is putting in the most work of her life. <laughs> That's a good question. You know, I really do hope that eventually we get that sort of Moira series where we get flashbacks to these moments in mutant history. I would kind of like nothing more than to see like, how did that fit into the plan? Has that happened in all of her lifelines? Is that new to Life 10? You know, questions like that I find fascinating. Um, I think Messiah Complex, even take it back even a step further that drive. So Messiah Complex, for people who don't know, is like a 2007, 2008 X-Men event. And it's in the wake of the very famous No More Mutants from Wanda, okay, from, from House of M, where mutant kind, there's like 100 and what is it, 198 of them that survive basically yeah. that, that mm-hmm. are still mutants. Yeah. Take it back even a step further. Did Moira plan for House of M? Is that is that intended? Is that a part of other lifelines? Questions like that, I'm like, I'm like obsessed with. Like, I would just love, the, even if it's just one Marvel event time stream of mm-hmm. like, yes or no, Moira allowed for this, Moira planned <laughs> this. Like, that's all I need. Um, but I would love that. I don't know. What do you guys think about uh, any relevance of Messiah Complex in this era, or even just what's going on with Hope? Uh. I can definitely say I I agree with you. I I like when when you have you know, <clears throat> time shenanigans, uh, especially when you have players on the table who kind of already know what's going to happen. We've seen this with Bishop yeah. uh, before when he's completely omitted the fact that he knew that House of M was going to happen, or that you know the whole thing in New X Men with the uh, the mutant massacre or not mutant massacre but the uh, the genocide in Genosa. Uh, Genosha was going to happen. Like, ah, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. I kind of want to see. Like, yeah, is if if Mora has something to say about it. I th- if it were me, if you, if, I, if it was if it was me that had the money to to make this happen. If I was the the big wig, so to speak, at Marvel. Uh, man, we would have had a book at least by now, mm-hmm. or, or 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 somewhere close where like 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 the the book of Mora X. You right, know, yeah. just like it just going through and just hitting all the high spots. Uh, but I definitely feel like it, like all of this, not just, I don't think just, um, 
uh, Messiah complex, but this this actually kind of makes a lot of other X Men events uh, kind of hit different. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like it's like everything, like uh, uh, the the entire series. Like you you think about Ten of Swords, and like you know, even though I know for a lot of us, Ten of Swords didn't quite stick the landing the way it, or, or many other things for that matter the way it should have but <laughs> the fact that they literally repopulated by the end of uh Tenosaurus, they literally had gained back all the numbers right of mm-hmm. mutants that they lost throughout going all the way back to grant morrison's run <laughs> right uh with x-men it's like it's one of those things like oh yeah they did do that mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like oh man they they actually like slowly but surely a lot of the biggest issues that the X-Men have faced over the last, oh God, I feel old saying this, two decades or more, a lot of it's been undone. Mm-hmm. And, or, or they've made up for it in some way. Right. Uh, and I feel like if you go back and reread some of those storylines, I guarantee you, uh, with the benefit of uh, uh, everything House of X and uh, uh, up to now, I feel like you would definitely have like a, a different opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, about whatever it was that you know that event was for for better or worse, right? Uh, mind you, but definitely uh, Messiah Complex hits different now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's uh, got... Hope is out here. I'm, I'm, I I used to be very down on Hope because uh, I'm a, I'm a sync guy. I'm a sync guy, but yeah, <laughs> I, I I totally get it. I get yeah. it. I get her now. She she's out here putting in the work. I'll, I'll give her credit. <laughs> it's got me thinking. You guys tell me what you would think of this, but. With time travel stories being such a huge part of X-Men lore and the, the history of X-Men, I would love to see, especially Hickman, do one. But, like, a big time travel story in the current era, I think, would be so much fun. I love those types of stories. And uh, I would love to see Hickman write a time travel story at some point. Yeah, so I, I teased that out a little bit today in the in the Kraken Kruko I did on Planet Size, just in the sense of... So, like, if Mara's... So, like, right now, and I think this ties in what you were saying, too, Ernie, is, like, Mm -hmm. right now in Planet Size, like, again, this is a victory lap. This is a celebration. It feels like mutant kind is succeeding. Like, it feels like the plan is in really good hands, honestly, in a lot of ways. Now, we know that, like, yes, a Nimrod is back online. Like, there's danger. There's, like, serious problems with this. But at the (laughs) same time, like, it feels like, okay, they've got the mutant space empire is off to this really interesting start. Like, there's... Big picture, like, for us to know if Life 10 is a success, the metric actually isn't, like, short-term, like... Like, even if they created the Mutant Space Empire and they were as big as the Shi'ar or bigger or whatever, right? We wouldn't actually know to say, like, well, that's a temporary success, but actually the big picture House of X powers a 10 success scale is did mutant kind survive a thousand years into the future, right? Into these, like, lifelines where Moira's had, like, in Life 6 where she makes it you know, to the to the end of time kind of thing, right? These, like, basically, they're going for eternal survival mm-hmm. of mankind. And in order to have an answer to that that is significant, you have to have a time travel story. Like, you have to have your powers of 10, days of future past, what does the future look like kind of stories. And we mm-hmm. haven't touched those in this era of X-Men. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with this. I'm fine with the slow play now. I've come to terms with it. It's gonna. If we're gonna go for years and years, everyone looking for the fall of X and for the end of Hickman on these books. They, honestly, I think when it when this started, I thought okay, five years. I thought mm-hmm. you know, it, like we got life on Mars. We got five years. I'm going all David Bowie. Uh, <laughs> what's the nah, Ziggy Stardust right now? Yeah, <laughs> um, but <laughs> but like I thought five years. Okay, now after today, 
honestly, I'm kind of like, this could go for 10 years. This could, <laughs> like, if Hickman wanted to just sit in this, he could. I don't know that he's that kind of creator. He, he doesn't seem like it. He seems like. He doesn't seem like it to me. No, he seems like he's going to want to get to the ending, and fair enough, right? But right. in terms of just the amount of story, but it, but to get to a point where we even have the information to know, like, is Life Tennis success, or do we need to hit that Moira reset button? It, it has to be one of two things. It has to be we have knowledge of the future to pass, and something here messed up where now mutants aren't going to survive, or just a very simple, like, yeah, everything's on fire and Nimrod's here, and we really need to reset your lifeline, Myra. Right? Like, those, <laughs> those to me are, like, the two ways that we know whether or not we hit the reset button. Um, so I, I think you're both onto something with the time travel piece of it. I mean, that's still a piece to me that, like, the bishop and the cable and their role as protectors of timelines, like, how do they fit into this? They're not mm-hmm. precogs. They aren't, they aren't no. under those guidelines. So how do we consider them? You know what? I'm glad you said that because that is actually something I found really weird about the whole rules regarding or <clears throat> the secret rules that nobody else knows about except for three people <laughs> um, regarding resurrection. Like no precogs. OK. Yeah. Then why resurrect people like Bishop or Cable? Yeah. I would mm. imagine they would know something. <laughs> Never thought about that. That's a good point, Ernie. Yeah. For sure. Like, I mean, they come from a future that is well beyond mm-hmm. uh, where we're at. If anyone would know, yeah, if, if 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 Bishop and Cable both had like prior knowledge of all these other things, all these other events, then yeah, House of X seems like it would be a pretty weird gap mm-hmm. to suddenly you know, have amnesia. This is one of those things right. I almost wish you wouldn't have said, because now I'm going to spend the rest of the night fucking thinking about that. <laughs> it's like, so mm, so, so right. no time travelers, no yeah. time, no precogs, no time travelers, no clones, <laughs> no uh, no alternate reality versions of characters mm-hmm. that are all. So there you go. We, 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 we've added another one to the list. And yeah, I wonder right. I wonder if the end of Doug and, and Noto's run on cable, because like the, the excuse with cable right now would be like, he's a he's a boy, <laughs> like like he's a lad, like cable lad doesn't have the capabilities <laughs> to to answer these questions, you know? Mm-hmm. When you bring the old man back, which is inevitably how that series is going to end, I suspect, um, mm-hmm. yeah. does he have a lot more questions? Is <clears throat> is that type of character going to be a lot more like, what is this? <laughs> like, looking around like, wait, what is going on? I didn't see this in any of the time streams. Like, have more questions and push on that a little bit more. I think that would be interesting, because Bishop, I mean, that's a character that's severely underwritten. I think we don't we really don't get any of what Bishop thinks about what's happening right now. He's just like mm-hmm. a role player in Marauders. Um, I would love some of his thoughts because it, I don't know. I don't like to get into the whole like, you know, oh, Professor X and Moira and, and that they definitely, you know, are messing with people's heads or whatever, you know, type theories. But with Bishop, it just feels like he's way too content. Why is he so content with all of this? <laughs> yeah. Like what, like his history is not, is is the opposite of that. It is is reacting very um, intensely against things that mess with the time stream. So I feel oh, like yeah. there's a lot of unanswered questions with him that, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to be a focus or not. I feel like, yeah. you know, in some ways the creators are, are kind of just like, Hey, can we not talk about time travel? <laughs> like it's right. a lot easier not to. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, can we, can we get a, um, what was it? Uh, the life and times of Lucas Bishop part two, mm-hmm. where we just talk about everything he thinks about what's happening. Like, like we just kind of get his take. I just want his side of the story. That's, yeah. That's all I really want. Yeah, right. No, I think that <laughs> I actually find it kind of surprising he's never gotten any uh, real 
character development outside of the whole uh, Kate Pride uh, murder mystery, which wasn't really a mystery because we knew who did it. Right. <laughs> well, there's no one getting any character development over in no. Marauders, which is why I'm mm. so hesitant about Duggan taking over X-Men. It's mm. the, the guy that's got this team that has never made it feel like a team is now taking over the main team. It's like, ugh. That's interesting. <laughs> that is a concern of mine. That is actually you know? a concern. <laughs> I mean, I like, I like what he's done with Kate. I'll give him credit mm-hmm. on Kate. I, I think Kate Pride is in a different place now in this era specifically. I think he's done a decent job with Emma's role. I don't know that Emma's developed mm-hmm. so much as just fulfilled yeah. her yeah. what she is, you know, essentially. From she's Morrison. one of those characters. It's hard to continue to develop her because she was a villain. She's already had. She's like she's like Gambit. I use him yeah. as an example all the time. She was. She's been redeemed. Where do you go with her from here? Right. She's well, a totally different character than she was. I do think yeah, Emma's right. set up for some very interesting things. Go ahead, Ernie. You were going to say something. Oh, no, no. I was going to say, outside of character development, I will say I did appreciate the level of detail he did put on Storm and Emma and Kate's little right. triangle of respect. And That's my favorite moment whatever. of Marauders. <laughs> there, it is. I, other I love than it. that, yeah, there, there is no real character development beyond... Cape. That, that's a Cape Pride book, honestly. Yeah. If, if it's anything, it's a Cape Pride book. It's it's basically it's it should be just titled Cape Pride and the Marauders. <laughs> is, is is what it well, should have been. Titled. It started out that way <laughs> more. That was kind of the hook for me. Is that I was like, oh, I love this new version of Kate. I love what they're doing with her. And then after she died, I've told you guys both. I've been disappointed with it since then. When she came back, I expected the focus to be on her, and we really haven't got much focus on her it's the the book is kind of it's it's all over the place in a lot of ways and it's been really solid but it has lacked like direction for me for Mm. for a long time kind of since kate's death issue issue six i think yeah i know a lot of people have loved it for sure i get that i think marauders actually is an interesting case study for i think a lot of what comics are going through right now which is one thing i think we're going to realize in like a year's time like on a on a more like well-known basis is Oh, that was a pandemic book. Like, and I think Marauders is actually a good case study for that, where like everything post Ten of Swords is like running out the clock. It's like mm-hmm. it's like putting issues to try to get to the Hellfire Gala that was supposed to be in December 2020. So you run into these all behind the scenes inside baseball things where like those issues were never supposed to come out, or they were never supposed to come out in this order. And, and part of the reason I say that, and it's sort of maybe I'm giving more leeway to that because I, I have similar problems with marauders it's gotten a little boring there's some interesting stuff but i kind of agree in general right. um but like i just interviewed um sophie campbell the amazing writer and artist of teenage mutant Ninja turtles which turtles are turtles comics are incredible right now i did not know this mm-hmm. until recently highly recommend it and when i was talking <laughs> oh they're great it's so good and when i was talking to campbell about it she was like you know like the second arc the second volume of that book is a pandemic holding pattern. Like it was supposed to be volume one, volume three. And the whole second arc was kind of just like this weird scheduling thing where it was like, we need something to fill these issues. We didn't know if we were going to be doing them. I don't have the time to draw the, you know, it's so like, and in retrospect, like for readers, that experience is just going to be picking up volume one, picking up volume two. Like all the behind the scenes stuff isn't really going to matter. It's just going to be what's the story. Um, But I do think with X-Men comics, that is definitely one of my critiques with 2021 has been like, where's my reign of X? Like I was promised a reign of X and all I got was this continued dawn. And I think that's the rationale. That's the, that's really what uh-huh. happened is like, is those calendars just got so messed up. And and that right. part of it, I, I empathize with, I suppose. And squeezing right. it between the events is that, yeah, that's another huge 
hurdle for these writers to get through is yeah not putting anything too big right before an event and that you know have to wrap things up before the event gets going so yeah, yeah. that's a great point oh even children of the atom like that was a book that was supposed to come out how long ago right right and then it got he- then it got held off and then like I do remember reading somewhere that the book basically got held so that it would, like, I guess, like, a a plot twist that technically we've kind of already seen by now, but was one of those situations that popped up uh, that they wanted to coincide with the gala itself. Mm -hmm. Oh, really? And so it it, kind of makes it make more sense. So, yeah, I actually, I 100% agree yeah, yeah, there are definitely some pandemic books because mm-hmm. yeah, we know that some of the series weren't supposed to be ongoings uh, like indefinitely. Like uh, we know, like some of them may be more recent choices, but I do kind of feel like yeah, some of these books were supposed to end at a certain point and make way for a different book or yeah, uh, or step aside so another book could come in and maybe. I don't know, tell another side of the story, mm-hmm. which I'd be perfectly fine with is, as long as there's not 80 X-Men titles yeah. <laughs> uh, all at once. 79. 79 I'll accept, but 80 yeah. is yeah. bridge too far. took the words okay. out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> 79 is okay, Yeah, but 80 is a bridge too far for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I do, I do think like in terms of the amount of content they could be putting out there, you know, there's definitely like there are so many books they could be doing. I think, you know, a lot of fans feel like it's it's far too much. I think if you look historically at the amount of X-Men comics that are coming out at any one given time throughout the 2000s, like actually this era is right on par, honestly, with mm-hmm. where X-Men have been, which is kind of wild when you think about like how much tighter it is now, you know, compared to like, I don't know, 2006 or whatever. Um, we, we got an interesting question here or some theories in the in the super chat. So thanks to all of you who are listening to us live and, and firing away your questions. You know, again, uh, keep the conversation going, keep it respectful and keep good, uh, good questions coming. So th- we got some theories here. It says one planet size X-Men set a new standard and new, hopefully Iraqi series. Do you guys actually do you think we'll actually get a planet Iraqi book? Because I would love it. I would love Speaking it. of new books, I would yeah. like that's a that's a day one poll. Um, do you guys think that'll actually happen? It's crazy. As I'm sitting here, we're talking about, like, yeah, there's too many damn X books. I'm like, yeah, give me that book. I'm always coming out with new books that I would love to see more of. So I I get it, and they sell. So, But it does feel like it waters it down. But would I want a Planet of Rocco book? Absolutely. I mean, it depends on the creative team. But, yeah, I'm all about it. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Most certainly. That's an opener. Um, Going back to talking about them on Rocco, like, I see a Planet of Rocco could be, like, Madripoor on a on a planet sized scale, mm. where it's just like the the pirate world, especially this new frontier, and I could see like wars between the different groups of Araco. You know what I mean? Because like right. you said, they're not gonna just oh, okay, we've got our own planet now. Let's all sing Kumbaya and hang out. You know, they're gonna be battling someone, and if there's no one to battle, either they'll battle us on Earth or they'll battle themselves. You know, so that would be yeah. that would be cool. I think my my best my biggest dream right now is and people have been asking this question too of me is like okay what's the next Hickman book after Inferno which is like you know on one hand it's like let's let's enjoy Inferno for a minute like let's let's enjoy that before we start <laughs> calling it but I would love New X Men written by Jonathan Hickman that is a Planet of Rocco book like just straight up just straight up start giving these sixteen million mutants like like carving out new space for them in the Marvel universe that would be absolutely fascinating I think my biggest worry with what happened in Planet Size X-Men is will Araco just become like cameo mutants? Like will they will they perpetually be 
just kind of like, oh, they took a trip to Mars. That's when they saw saw the Iraqi mutants as opposed to their own characters. Because, like, Al Ewing brought one of them, um, what is it, like, Core of the Burning Light into S.W.O.R.D. Yeah. So it's like, okay, so we got a character on a team. I want to see more of that. I want to see right. more of, right. like, like what is Iska doing? Because you got these really fascinating characters in just this world. Um, so, yeah, I would love to see them actually developed in uh, in more substantial terms. So the other theory we got here from this individual is uh, Children of the Atom will be labeled pretenders like Wanda. So we got Wanda is the great pretender. We had Magneto refer to Franklin Richards as a pretender again today, just pouring salt in that FF wound <laughs> that all of us are suffering from. And uh, they're saying Children of the Atom will inevitably be labeled the same way. Um, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know what to make of Children of the Atom. What do you, what do you guys You think? guys have to fill me in. I dropped it. Yeah. <laughs> issue two. Um, I'm, anything good I, going on? I've been keeping up with it. I've actually been... I've actually been enjoying it. Uh, it got better. The last couple issues I thought yeah. were, were more interesting, personally. Yeah, well, because we're finally kind of... You know, spoilers for, I guess, anyone who hasn't been reading it, but, I mean, more or less the premise that these people are... You know, the I guess the initial idea was what kind of rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Because it rubbed me the wrong way at first, too. That they were, like, basically cosplaying as X-Men. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then you learn, like, what's actually going on and, and more about what's happening here. And the fact that, yeah, they're, they're not mutants. At least at least most of them aren't. Uh, right. the, the jury's still out on one of them. There's, but, like, a ma- there's uh, like one maybe, yeah. Yeah, maybe. But that's a huge maybe at that point. Yeah, right. I always tell people, covers lie. Covers lie. You oh, can't yes, trust they do. a cover. Yes, they do. If uh, they do anything, they lie. <laughs> they, they always lie. But no, it, I, I will say, though, I feel like, especially with the events of the last issue, I think it was like with Children of the Atom number four, you know, it is going to make this a little bit more interesting. How are they going to be regarded? Yeah. Because for all intents and purposes, the X-Men that have met them thus far think that they are mutants. <laughs> they still think that, it seems, yeah. Yeah. Or they're treating them like uh, that. Yeah, they're well, treating them as, <laughs> as mutants. They even give, they gave them, Storm gave them a communicator. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's like if Storm like, if Storm showed up and talked to me, I'd be like, oh, it might be a mutant. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah no. I think that like, confirms it. Yeah. I would start, like, trying to do, like, sparkle fingers. Like, like, <laughs> right. <laughs> not happening. You look Why like Loki happen? in that first episode. Hold on. It, it, yeah, it's yeah. coming. <laughs> just wait just wait for it yeah i children of the atom is so, it's gonna be so reveal heavy is what i've been saying like it's yeah. every every perception of this book is going to be entirely based on what is the actual reveal that's coming probably next issue i'm guessing in children of the atom number five um if vita Ayala and and the artist nail it if they nail it and it's like oh that's a great idea it's all it's all going to be based on that reveal and then it's going to make the four preceding four issues potentially worth it but if it is kind of you know half half-hearted then it's going to be like yeah this series was a mess like this is a weird idea and it didn't work um so i don't know it's like until the reveal comes i'm kind of like withholding most of my judgment you know let me ask you guys a question real quick because this is something i haven't heard a lot of buzz about but like as soon as i heard mutants are going to mars my first thought is the the martian breeding pits that we learned about back in the Hawksbox series. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what got me excited. I guess it's nothing to get too hyped up about because we know it's coming, but this just seems like another step towards the, you know, the eventual, the fall of the mutants or, or the events that lead to Hawksbox or that mm-hmm. Moira's life version of, uh, yeah. of Earth. 
Well, and I think it all kind of it all kind of builds toward make more mutants, which is maybe mm. an implication that gets lost just reading Planet Size X Men. But it is like okay, if they start creating more mutant worlds, you have to fill them with mutants. So how are you making more mutants? Because with Rocco, it was kind of like that just fell into their laps. Like Krakoa, mm. I mean, unless Moira was like, hey, like okay, Charlie, like here's what's gonna happen. You know, this is how <laughs> this is gonna play out. Like maybe because they had been there, she had done that with Apocalypse before. But it's like 16 million mutants kind of just fell into their laps. So mm-hmm. where are the rest of those coming from? I think to your point, Verno, Moira's skeptical of using Sinister to do that, but Sinister's going to try to do that anyway. <laughs> so, like, I yeah, I mean, they they have to start creating the the mutants who are actually going to populate these planets, and that is that's like one of the biggest, most interesting questions as you consider the Empire expanding. Is like, where do mm-hmm. those mutants come from? You know, are they out in space already? Like, is is that how they're going to play it? Do they have to manufacture them through resurrection, through cloning, through some sort of process like that? Um, Or is Nightcrawler's religion just very (laughs) anti-condom? And and that's where we go from I mean, he is Catholic. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) He's also very drunk at the Hellfire Gala, which I'm... Oh, no, he was... He was... Like he was blue dude wasted <laughs> uh, in in New Mutants, uh, this uh, recent issue of New Mutants. Uh, I I can't help but feel like all of Mora's lives are gonna start culminating into just one mess of a life. Yeah, because yeah. it seems like bits and pieces from each of her lives are starting to come back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, things that happen in one life, oh, wait, we're seeing shades of that in this life. Well, now, what about that life? Well, we're starting to see, see shades of that now. Like, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this life is literally just like a, it's like, well, I try, I, I'm just going to throw everything at the wall, and we're just going to see what happens. And it's like, well, that's what happens. Everything happens. I think you're right. <laughs> I mean, no, I think you're right, though. I think, like, probably the theme that feels the most likely to me is Life 10 is the life is the final life where Moira lies and manipulates and tries to scheme everything. And I wonder if the lesson that she has to learn here, that destiny told her, like if you make the right choice, I, I feel like the theme has to be trusting mutant kind and actually having open communication about what the plans are. Like that action because I feel like that's a theme of Hickman's work. Is if you look at what oh. he did with the Illuminati in New Avengers and Avengers, like the best state of the world was not seven men in a room deciding the fate for everyone else. Like, the, like if you take anything from Avengers and New Avengers, it's like that is that secrecy, that shadow play leads to problems. And I, I can't help but think something similar eventually is going to be the lesson here for Moira, Charles, and Magneto. Because it is. I think that's what Inferno is going to be about in so many ways. It's going to be, oh, you thought you could just... Like, toy with Mystique like this? Like, you thought you could just, like, literally kick her while she's down, you know? Like, kind of stuff. And it's like, Inferno's going to be, you can do that, but she's going to burn it all down. And you're going to have problems. Well, we've seen seeds of this. We've seen, not just with Mystique, but, um, over, like, uh, Vita Ayala's been kind of seeding this in New Mutants. Uh, with the whole situation with Wolfsbane. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, people, like, it's, it's one of those things where... I actually thought, you know, if you go back and read uh, this current issue, I think it was New Mutants 19. Um, if you go back and read, the, the, there's a section where uh, Danny and Wolfsbane are having a conversation about Tyr, her, uh, her son, and why they won't 
uh, resurrected. Mm-hmm. Or even telling Wolfsbane whether he's actually alive or dead or whatever. Yeah. Right. But, you know, the response that Danny had was one that I think we kind of took for granted because no one really knows all the inner workings about how the resurrection protocols actually work or why anyone gets resurrected versus why anyone doesn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, no one really knows all that stuff. So I kind of feel like when we get to Inferno, I know a lot of people are like, oh, what the heck is Mystique going to do against you know, uh, Charles Xavier Magneto, but the thing I think people forget is that Mystique is a very persuasive person and yeah. she reads the room and you can, it, and I guarantee go back and read House of X number six, the the moment where Mystique is kind of like chilling in the cut while everybody's making decisions about Sabretooth and everything else. She's not just sitting there ignoring everybody. She's reading the room and she yeah. knows who she can work with, who she can't, and I would not be surprised if she is actually uh, plotting to get other like-minded individuals, people who have been spurned uh, by Krakoa's mysterious rules that they don't tell anybody about. Right. Um, something tells me, yeah, you're going to start seeing some of the the, the people who have, who feel disenfranchised uh, by Krakoa or feel like you know they're not getting everything they were promised. Like we 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 we've seen it seeded in other in in various other books, and I think it just kind of slips under the radar sometimes. But yeah, I, I don't think just because people are there doesn't mean that they're happy. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't know. It, it, it's I just know stuff's gonna get burnt down. I'm I'm taking Inferno quite literally. Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, it's interesting. <laughs> like it's it's gonna be super interesting how that event plays out. Um, Verno, do you have any? Big Inferno theories, especially, too, like, in the wake of, okay, the mutants are trying to expand into space. They've got all the Araka mutants are on Mars. What what happens on Inferno? And I guess, like, one thing, well, I'll let you answer it first before I start saying it. Like, what, what do you think is going to come in Inferno? <laughs> oh, you're the theory and predictions guy, Dave. I think it's going to be dope. I think there's going to be fire art. <laughs> and I yeah. think it's going to be hot. And things are going to burn down. No, I don't know. I I kind of hope that afterwards... Like, not, I said this before, I think Krakoa will still exist, but I kind of hope, like, the Green Lagoon is gone. Like, the the things that we've come to know, they are burnt down, and maybe our mutants have to flee to Mars, or just, like, the, the new status quo, not to say we're going back to the old status quo, but a new, new status quo after that, where mm-hmm. it's no longer a party on Krakoa. They're prepping for war. They're mm-hmm. they're using Danger Island finally, which I've been waiting to see for a <laughs> yeah. long ass time now. Things like that. I think that would be uh, the direction I hope it goes in. And honestly, at this point, I hope Xavier gets what he's got coming because I'm fully over this dude. <laughs> like, yeah. I've I've been downplaying the whole time. Like, oh, he's got his reasons. But at this point, I I think it was your last video, Dave. You said. You're theorizing that that may not be Xavier. It might be Cassandra Nova in his body kind of a thing. I hope that's the case because I think I'll never forgive the man for the way he's treated Mystique is where I'm at, you know? <laughs> yeah, what no, that was the last sinister secret. <laughs> yeah. The the last sinister secrets, there was uh, the first one was Mm-hmm. I forget the language now. Something but about a dude wearing multiple masks or people wearing multiple masks. You wear it too long. Not, not letting the pass go, all that. It, whatever the language exactly was, it would, all right. of it was just like, oh, this is a Cassandra Nova thing now. And that was like, you know, one of the early House Powers theories, just because Hickman loves the Morrison run. That's, I mean, mm-hmm. who doesn't? And it's like, right. Cassandra Nova hasn't been touched. So it's like, okay, if that character, unless I see that character somewhere else and it hasn't happened, then like, I'm, I'm until, conv- until otherwise, I'm like, yeah her and Charles are together somehow. I don't know that that's necessarily 
a horrible thing. Like, it doesn't right. have to be the obvious, oh, and she's the evil mastermind. It could be, like, Charles could be like, yeah, I know, what of it? And and that's just kind of their own shared moral decay, you know. Let me ask you guys, like. where is Cassandra Nova, like, leading up to this point? Do either of you guys know, like, obviously yeah. we don't know where she is in the new era, but, like, where did we last see her? Because I, I haven't read it, I don't she think. She was referenced in the read? Rosenberg X-Men, and she was in prison. Okay. Okay. Uh, Emma Frost is like reading a newspaper and it's like Cassandra Nova's in a one prison cell or something, but doesn't seem like an easy prisoner to contain. And also like that <laughs> right. whole six months gap thing is still like super nebulous. That could be anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think other than that, the only time I've seen Cassandra Nova is in like one of the heroes reborn. That's a completely different yes. reality. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but honestly, the more that I think about it, you know, having seen her, reappear in um uh heroes reborn magneto and the mutant force does actually now have my wheels turning if she is actually like like involved in some kind of way we just don't know it yet mm-hmm. in the earth 616 timeline yeah because it's kind of like ah oh, that was a random character to just kind of throw out there you know for, right. for this whole thing i mean i get it but, but yeah i do actually wonder um I mean, I got to say, too, like all that's going on there. Well, right. I I do like it better if it's just Charles. I got to say, like, I do like it better if it's really just him reacting to what Moira has showed him. And just like, uh, like, yeah, let's accept Professor X making horrible decisions and um, or decisions. He thinks like he's he's just full on pragmatic, like this is best for Krakoa. I don't care who gets hurt. Like, that's not that's more interesting to me than, yeah. oh, there was an evil mastermind behind him. I think at the end of the day, you know, so I feel like that Sinister Secret was heavily teasing the presence of Nova, but at the same time, I like the story better if she's not pulling strings or whatever. I, it's just, I get his idea, like, okay, put mutant kind first and for the greater good kind of a thing, but you don't have to be such a jerk, as Kitty <laughs> Pride hey, might hey. say. You know what I mean? He's so cold to yeah. mystique. It's like, that was the line. Like, cause I've, I've, you know, we've all been tossing around in our minds since Hoxpox. Is that Xavier? Why is he wearing a mask? Blah, blah, blah. But for him to be like that, that was the moment where I'm like, that, that better not be him. That better not be him. Yeah. I think it's him. I think it's just that he's he's being a jerk. Which is what he, honestly, I'm used to Charles Xavier being a jerk, so I'm unsurprised by all of this. Yeah. Well, that's the thing I try to remind everyone of is like historically, he's the biggest jerk, you know? And it's like, it's things like the animated series, it's things like um, Patrick Movies. Stewart. Though yep. that's where Professor X is the grandfather you always wanted, you know? But it's like, yeah. the comics. He's generally a jerk, and he makes but he's horrible not decisions. Cruel. He's he's not. You know what I mean? Like this. There's he's a rarely so intentionally cruel up to this point. Yeah. I, I think that's right. probably, with the exception of towards his, you know, only son, who <laughs> he is the worst dad towards. <laughs> oh, he's absolutely all. He's he's a trash dad. Yes. Oh, he yeah. goes he's, down in the history of trash dads. Not getting he's a like, card. There's to Goku, Sunday. and then there's Charles. <laughs> they're they're like right. Like you put them right there on each other. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, we got a good question here from Damien in the super chat, which is shouldn't Moira be orchestrating the pairing off of two Omega level mutants to create a super Omega second generation that could produce another Franklin Richards or greater instead of joining the technarchy, which I think is, you know, a popular theory that definitely I've been talking about, which is maybe her ultimate plan. 
the the production of omega level mutants is a really interesting question i think because that is something that early in house it might even be the first issue we get that data page where it's like this is our greatest natural resource right and if that's the one and then we see today in planet size x-men that is what allows them to terraform this planet like the power mm-hmm. of omega levels like they are so absolutely important they're so fundamental to mutant survival we haven't really seen like what if anything is being done to make sure there are more of them um aside from sinister chimera type tampering do you guys have any thoughts on like i mean again like i guess damien's kind of proposing here like literally just being like legion and hope (laughs) you get to procreate and make babies but obviously that's like that has nasty implications <laughs> to put it mildly, oh, God. you know? So um, I, I don't, I think it's gotta be sinister related, but I don't think Moira trusts sinister enough to do it. So I don't know what the plan is there. That's, that's an interesting question. I kind of think what they've been demonstrating, especially in the most recent X books where they've been focusing on mutant synergy and sword and then new mutants. And then of course, just the whole era of Krakoa with the five and then the six, <clears throat> It seems like, where am I going with that? <laughs> oh, they could do anything. If they need to create more Omega level mutants, they could do it. If they need to create a planet, they can do it. Like whatever you can think of, you get enough mutants together using synergy and they could just do it that way. And you could look at that as a downside too. A lot of people are, you know, they're, they're too super powered right now. They're who can threaten them other than a Nimrod. But uh, I think you could do it using synergy. Yeah. Final I- answer. I, I like that answer. I mean, I do, I guess, too, like, the thing that in Moira's journal entries that she, I mean, all but confirms, I, I mean, she says it. I don't I don't think it's really even a theory at this point, is she found matches for herself and for Charles to produce, to reproduce Legion and, um, and Proteus, their children, mm-hmm. right? So, like, they were very calculated in right. having their kids. Mm-hmm. You know, when we talk about Professor X being a trash dad, it is kind of like, yeah, like, if you factor that in retroactively <laughs> to, like, you know, this being, like, a science experiment to make an Omega-level mutant, like, it's, like, one, gross, two, like, explains a <laughs> lot. Explains a lot about his attitude toward his kid. Um, but the fact that she could do that with them makes me think, too, that, like, well, maybe she could do that with, like, all sorts of mutants. You know what I mean? And then, mm-hmm. again, you get into that really just nasty space of, like, eugenics that's, like, I, this is a gross territory for Krakoa to go. But um, but they seem to have the knowledge, at least on a genetic level, of how to do that. I just can't see that being. There's no way they could propose that on Krakoa. Well, I was gonna say that you know you could put in like it could be like a dating service on Krakoa where it's like make an Omega kind of thing, and you could see <laughs> who your matches are or something like that. You know what I mean? Maybe it doesn't yeah. have to be horrible. Um, but if it's like a mandatory kind of thing, then it's like all right, we're we're in a new era of Krakoa where this is you know a fascist prison planet kind of thing. <laughs> like suddenly it turns into like Logan's run or something like yeah, yeah. Lord. Uh, <laughs> no I, I don't uh, man oh god that 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 makes for some heavy material I don't know if uh I get the idea of like wanting to make more omegas but man god that would be a very weird way to go about it I think <laughs> like I think keeping it to <laughs> keeping it to the professor and Moira as the only ones mm. who would even consider that it says a lot about them and then you don't have to make that a regular conversation you're having <laughs> right. in X-Men comics that I think all of us would rather avoid um yeah I, to that end though I do think like Arako brings in new Omegas 
in a way. So I think mm-hmm. we're, we're seeing this chart expanding already. Um, again, sort of through dumb luck, through landing on Araco. I think maybe there are much more fun Marvel Comics ways to do this, such as like, are there Omega level mutants in space? You know, do do scrolls have mutants? Like we again, like this is something I've talked about a lot, but it's like, what do we consider a mutant? Is it an right. Earth X gene, Terran? Is it? Can we expand that definition? And then right. how do how do we potentially make more mutants that way, um, as opposed yeah. to like literally, you know, taking that uh, taking that law so literal? I suppose. Well, it's definitely one thing because I I know like you could say like I wasn't a warlock. Warlock is considered a <clears throat> mutant mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. by his own species because he's not like the rest of them. Or like you have like Brew from uh the Brood, he's considered a mutant because he's not like the rest of the Brood. But it's like I do I do wonder about that though because you know why only our mutants aren't just an Earth thing? It couldn't I couldn't possibly imagine. Yeah, like there's. There's got to be other mutants out there. I would actually be surprised if there if there weren't any. I've always uh, assumed they weren't. I always thought it was like an X gene was an Earth thing. Mm-hmm. But but you're right. There totally could be mutants. There has to be mutants on other planets. But is it the same? Would they be able to walk through the gates? I would think right. no. You know what I mean? As of now. That, mm-hmm. that level of specificity to the question I think is still a little open-ended. I think ultimately it's really just up to the creators. Like if this X office is like... Hey, remember that time Professor X led a group of scrolls around and he called them mutants and like they were like exactly his original five mutants, which is like a late nineties X-Men thing? They could be mm-hmm. like, Yeah, let him on Krakoa. Like they can decide that and then the then the floodgates open. I kinda like I kinda like it if they would just do it that way, because then it's like you can get mutant kind then is like then your empire grows in a way that is is less I don't know, it's like it's less difficult to just have the numbers to do that if you're already tapping into existing you know, populations and characters in the Marvel universe. So, all right, let's, uh, let's continue to, to work through. I think any, any final thoughts or theories on planet size X-Men that we haven't touched on yet. Um, things about where you think this might be going, stuff that you didn't expect to see today. Um, yeah. Any of that general hellfire gala reactions, you know, we had, we had two additional tie-ins today. We had X Corp number two and new mutants number 19, um, I, my take has been basically if you were already following an X title, keep doing it. If you weren't, yeah. you don't, you don't need it unless it's one of the right. core, if, unless it's one of the core issues. And if it was one of the core issues, you know, with Marauders accepted, you should be reading those anyway. Um, mm. cause they're all great, but unless yeah, you're like everyone that collects comics where we have to have it all so, or, you know, or that like, I almost <laughs> yeah. bought X Corp and didn't read it, but, but I did. I'll just say, like, as Hellfire in general, I went into it with very low expectations. And after rereading the, the first three issues, what we got before Planet Size X-Men, I actually, I really liked all three of them. Yeah. I thought Marauders, mm-hmm. Marauders' job was to set up the mystery of what the announcement was going to be. And I left Marauders super intrigued about what the announcement was. Mm-hmm. So X-Force entertained me. And it actually, I said this on my show, I was kind of impressed that Percy played one of his big cards. The mm-hmm. the the telefloronic people mm-hmm. from Terra Verde. And that's a, one of the bigger threads in X-Force. And he played that card at the gala. And then after that, in Excalibur, uh, Teeny Howard played the Morgan Le Fay card at, yeah. at the mm-hmm. gala, which is, that's been going since issue number one. And I, I've enjoyed that thread. <laughs> Excalibur has been up and down for me. I love an issue, hate yeah. an issue. And that's been since yeah. issue one. But I thought that was pretty good. Today's issues, other than planet size, didn't really do it for me. I thought New Mutants was okay. I'll just throw this out there. Did you guys, 
did that cover fool both of you? And did both of you, like I did, think that that was a Rod Reese cover? It's I, actually, it's yeah, Martin Simmons who does the Department of Truth art. Yeah, and stylistically, wow, they're so that. close. Yeah, it was a great. The, uh, the disciples of Bill Sinkevich. It's uh, that's it's what I was gonna stuff. say. Yeah, he's a little more Bill huh. Sinkevich even than Rod Reese is. And I remember looking at the cover, I'm like, man, he's really channeling uh, Sinkevich. And then I realized it was a different artist, Martin mm-hmm. Simmons. Mm-hmm. I didn't catch that. Now I'm looking at him like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Martin Simmons, okay, artist of uh, Department of Truth, which is one of my favorite comics of, oh, of late 2020 into 2021. That comic absolutely kills. You know, I saw – that reminds me. I saw James Tynion, the fourth, uh, tweet today that he was loving Planet Size X-Men, basically just, like, praising the book. Bring in James Tynion, the fourth, into oh, the X office. Dude. Whatever it takes, Marvel, if you can do it, do it, because dude is on another level right now. Like, one of the best comics creators, bar none. If they bring him into the X-verse, like, all bets are off. That would, if I could pick one writer, that'd be it. Oh, dude, I just want to say, just something is killing the children. Please read it. Yeah, right. Yeah, read it. The nice house on the lake, which I cannot stop calling the nice house on the left. Read it. <laughs> <laughs> so good, so good. I've said it like the guy's a genius. The guy's a genius. He's on well, fire. He's writing the best book at DC right now in Batman. He's writing one of the best books, Department of Truth at Image, and then at DC Black Label, the nice house on the mm-hmm. lake. He's mm-hmm. got wind for young A or uh, YA. That's one of the. I'm not that I read a lot of YA, but it's an enjoyable, cute little read for sure. Yeah. He's he's incredible, incredible. I don't think I've seen a book get as unanimously praised as I've seen the reaction to Nice House on the Lake. Like right. everyone, like creators, fans, critics, whoever, they're so over the moon about that book. Like it's truly one of the highest approval ratings. I've seen of a new book in such a long time, but yeah. So um, that's my that's my request for the Marvel X Men office for the day is uh, bring it bring in all the best writers, please. That would be right. absolutely incredible. Um, but yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you, Verno, on the tie-ins. I mean, I think they've I think they've actually mostly been enjoyable. I like New Mutants mm-hmm. a little bit more than you. Um, I think that book is quite good. I'm pretty I'm consistently amazed by Ayala's ability to like to just manage so many plots and not have the book feel overstuffed in new mutants. There's something, I don't know how like they're pulling it off, frankly, in that title. It's like, it's clearly too much, but it always fits <laughs> right. and it feels, it feels like a concise read. Right. Well, yeah. you're, you're juggling the plot with, uh, uh, Sheehan and, Tr- and her, her brother Tran. Mm-hmm. You're juggling the plot with, uh, scout and, uh, and the other kids. Uh, you have No Girl and Noli and Cosmar and all that, and Shadow, then King. Shadow King and all that's intertwined with that. You've also got Wolf's Bane and Tear. That it, it, it's it, <laughs> <laughs> it's so much. It's so much. What is what is War, Warlock and Doug? Uh, yeah, that too. It's Finally got some Warlock which, action today, which was nice. Yeah, I did like, not appreciate. Yeah, it, I won't spoil it for people who didn't read. Did not appreciate that ending. I did not appreciate that oh, ending. That hit a little hard. How it ended. That actually, you know what? I'm not gonna lie to you. That actually kind of kills my mood for the yeah, movie. right. It actually Shit. really, and, and and without saying why, just I, I will just say that I have had uh, I have had experiences with people in my life in similar fashion. Mm. Uh, and yeah, it just I I yeah it. That it actually, I will, I will actually go to limb and say it triggered me a little. It actually triggered <laughs> me a little. I was, I, I actually almost DM'd Vita Ayala and was like, "What the hell were you thinking?" I mean, it's a, it's a <laughs> rough one. <laughs> I can't remember how it ended. It's a rough one, and I, I actually kind of wonder if that wouldn't have been better placed in 
New Mutants number oh. 20 in a non-Hellfire Gala issue. Um, just because it is like, it's this weird moment of celebration. And then, you know, and it's like, on one hand, I want the creators to keep their story going. But just like kind of tonally, thematically. what? Yeah, but just on a, on a yeah. aside from that, New Mutants number 19, the other amazing thing it does is in weaving all those plots together, they're all connected to the same theme of like, of like maintaining friendships over time. Like it's about Warlock and Doug, it's about Rain and Danny, um, you know, just kind of how challenging, it's just like, I, there's like a level of, of calculation to that that's very- It's impressive. about self-improvement too, with uh, Warpath writing his, or not Warpath, whatever his name, you know what I'm talking about, well, writing his yeah. little journal and, and all that. It is, yeah, yeah, it's, a, it's a sweet book. It is. Oh no, def- definitely. It is. Um, um, yeah, but I mean, otherwise I think like, you know, X-Corp, I think all of us, you know, before we were this, we were talking about a little bit, just like, I don't know, I don't like X-Warp. I don't think it's good. Um, I don't know what it's trying. I guess I know what it's trying to do. I just don't think it's succeeding. And I'm I'm pretty hard out on X-Corp, barring like a significant change to this title. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll catch it on Kraken Krakoa and Blur Without Fears <laughs> channel. I'll figure out what's going on with that, but yeah. I'll leave it to, you, the, the, to, to the pros. I wanted to like it. it. Honestly, at this point, the David Aha covers are the best thing about it by far. Mm. By far, and that is a problem. Um, that's not good because <laughs> there's a lot of comics to be told in there. Yeah, I should love a book that that stars Monet. Yeah, I should. I should love it. I do not love it. <laughs> <laughs> let, let me ask you guys this: This is a, a bit of a negative thing, but how over these data pages, these non-Hickman written data pages? Al Ewing crushes the data pages. I think Percy does. does a good job with them. I don't, I don't want to even name the names of the people that bug me. I just want to be polite about it. But there are some data pages that I'm just like, as soon as I flip the page and I see a page full of words, I'm like, oh, God. Like, very rarely. Exp- well, <laughs> and then at, at the end of Planet Size X-Men, to end an issue with two pages of data pages that don't really give us anything yeah. Yeah. other than mm-hmm. some perspective was, it's like, why? It kills the momentum of the read. It should have been in the middle of the book. I agree. Yeah, it's weird to have them at the end unless it's like a stunner, stinger kind of like, oh, drop some info. I I agree with the planet size data pages today. Like they were both just very innocuous. And Mm -hmm. um, unless you unless you did the Watchmen back matter approach, you know, where like the expectation was they'd be at the end. You know, that's not what these X-Men books have been doing. I think I'm still pro data page as a style, as a tool. I think just like mm-hmm. there just has to be good information and there has to be good purpose. I really mm-hmm. appreciate the creators that get creative with it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I like when there's they're not just doing text when I think Leah Williams and, and maybe Vita have done a better job with this where it's like Dazzler posters right. or, you know, like uh, tickets even or invitations like mm-hmm. get a little more creative with them, I think, is yeah. is more fun for me than these endless Dolores memos where it's like <laughs> unless she's dropping info, they just aren't as compelling as I, I think maybe the creators think they are. Um, but like Sinister Secrets... The X-Force ones are definitely better. The X-Force ones I like a lot. Well, they're right. kind of essential. I'll tell you what. Right? Because they give you Beast-like. He they is... give you Beast character. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Well, Benjamin Percy, he's also a novelist. And he's one that I'll, I'll flip the page and I'll see all these words and I'll think, oh, God. And then I'll start reading it and I'll get captivated by it. Like, you you can tell he knows how to write a page full of words yeah. and make it entertaining. I think he's really good with it. I'm excited. He's writing an Aliens book coming up. I don't know if you guys saw that. He's writing a, a oh. Marvel Aliens comic book. That uh, I'm, I'm stoked about that. I love the Aliens that's out right now by Philip Kennedy Johnson. 
No, that I like that book too. I didn't know that this was a thing, so now I mm-hmm. okay, all right. Well, uh, I'll put another log on the fire. I guess I'll be reading <laughs> another one. Right. <laughs> Endless room. Endless room. Um, awesome. All right, I want to get to I want to get to some of these super chat things real quick if you guys have time. Okay. Uh, Clever Cape asks, "Do you think that Life Eleven will be something akin to Heroes Reborn, as in something like an alternate universe?" that will be reverted back? That is an interesting question, I think. That is a definite... I've been viewing it as Life 10 ends, and then everything has to go to Life 11. Everything in the Marvel Universe has to be considered a part of whatever Moira's Life 11 is. I have not been viewing it as an alternate that could be reverted, because there's nothing in Moira's... Again, we don't have enough more information, but there's nothing in the story that we've seen so far that suggests she can hop, lifelines or go back now we might get some of that again we have the endless bring back rasputin crowd right where like they went right. in the black hole if I they don't show up crowd. again that would be very disappointing like i think we can all right. agree um so is it possible sure i mean sure like why not right you could have black hole space travel that's how black holes work trust me <laughs> i would know that's <laughs> definitely how they work you can hop between lifelines um i don't think it'll be that but i i like the idea what do you guys think well I'd rather ask you guys, like, is that what you think is going to happen? Is that there's going to be a full Marvel reset? Like, the way it's laid out in the comics is if Moira dies, like, Daredevil's run ends. Thor's run ends. Everybody's run ends and starts over. Like, how do you do that? This would be like a, you know, like a DC crisis almost is what it would, would feel like. Yeah. Like, they did New 52, but it only affected, like, the X-Men. <laughs> right, right. You can't do it exactly. You can't just do it like, oh, Hickman's got this plan for the X-Books. It's going to be crazy. Yeah. Like, Chip Zdarsky's over there writing Daredevil, and he's like, wait, he's doing what? You know, so the, I, the I'm Mutant really curious 52, about what's going to happen. The Mutant 52 is coming. I'm excited for it. <laughs> I, I really think... Now. So, thing now. <laughs> Hickman's 2015 Secret Wars was a almost, was an almost kill everything everything secret wars kind of book i think i think there's a very real possibility that the end game of this which again years away decades away um from happening <laughs> uh, I, I really think that end game will be a drop everything everything's a part of this moment life reset thing where then the marvel universe i guess there's two ways it could play out one is we pick up from where we left off in life 10 up to a point and basically all the continuity all the story that we knew happened, but oh. we pick up from when Nimrod killed uh, Moira and everything went to heck, right? That's a good point. Or the other option is what Ernie said, which is straight up New 52 it and Marvel, which they have not pulled that trigger. They have not pulled the trigger to say, hey, what if we just restarted the universe and, uh, you know, made everything super accessible? That went great, right? Like, when DC did that, like, 2011 was awesome, and then we don't talk about any of the other years, because <laughs> why would we bother? Um, <laughs> no. They could do that. Just Animal Man and Batman. We don't talk about the rest of that. We don't talk about the rest of that. Uh, until we get to, like, you know, Grayson or whatever. But uh, I, I hope they don't do that. I hope they don't do that. I like the Marvel Universe sticking to the endless, you know, refreshed continuity, but never fully mm-hmm. rebooted um but i i think it'll be secret war style just everything ends everything's a part of the phalanx war or whatever and then uh and then you know they pick up from a point where they left off so then your captain america continuity is like yeah you can just keep going like you know like mm-hmm. you're fine kind of thing i right. would rather that makes sense that i hadn't well. thought of it like that 
don't don't mess up the like look uh, the X-Men continuity is convoluted as it is already and a lot of other Marvel continuity gets kind of messy too if you don't know where to start so yeah don't muddy the water <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah by uh doubling back and saying hey well, well technically I guess technically Marvel did kind of do it with ultimate universe but like mm-hmm. it didn't really have any bearing on like the main Marvel universe is like it was kind of a like a half-assed version of New Fifty Two. <laughs> 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 it's like no, no, no. It's just separate comics. It doesn't have anything to do with. It. You can still read your stuff over here. I That's mean, like <laughs> in X Men Ultimate Universe would be that approach would be pretty fascinating. Like if they mm-hmm. had the confidence to be like, yeah, we're the biggest thing in Marvel. We're just gonna do our own separate X Men line. Um, but I, I just think the the nature of how integrated Marvel properties are, you know, historically, mm-hmm. like that just right. that would that would ultimately be worse than uh than it was good yeah. for. So um <laughs> plus I plus I've been pulling for an actual Ultimate Universe reboot for years now and I well, they're well overdue. <laughs> well, I think it's something like that's coming. No spoilers, oh, yeah. but there's another big book that came out today that uh, yeah. I don't know if you've got to it yet, but I won't say anything. I, Something's going on with the Ultimate Universe. Yeah, I know the one but I haven't read it yet. But uh but I'm looking <laughs> forward to that. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to Hashtag same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Let's see. We got a question here. Uh, are are enemies? Um, are the Inhumans enemies of the X Men? Is the question essentially right? Where they're asking like, are the enemies like Wanda the Pretender because of the Terrigen bomb that uh, that was like you know threatening and killing mutants? This has been weirdly never discussed. Um, and I think I would actually like to see. I think we're we're deep enough into the Dawn of X and the Reign of X right now. Where I would like to see the creators be like, yeah, we can acknowledge those years of Marvel comics that uh, that X Men fans were unhappy with. <laughs> like, we can, we're safe, we're safe. Sales are good, these stories are good. We can talk about it now. The Inhumans should be uh, kind of considered like enemies of Krakoa. Like, I don't, I guess I don't really have a problem with that. I don't know. What do you guys think? They can be enemies. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, why not? I'm with you guys. Yeah, if and when they're around. When was the last time we saw an Inhuman? I mean, I guess I, I'm not reading every Marvel book, but like they're uh, they're on ice right now. So I've seen Lockjaw. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lockjaw. Lockjaw has been in Thor. That's about the most I've seen of any Inhuman. <laughs> I mean, I'm not I'm not opposed to. I mean, Hickman's a you know he wrote some Black Bolt stuff in his in his Fantastic Four, some good Inhumans. I'm not opposed to seeing them in the cosmic landscape, especially. I always forget Miss Marvel is an Inhuman. Yes. <laughs> True. <laughs> Can 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 we just all forget that as well, <laughs> and then just pretend that they're just a, they just got their powers like any other normal decent superhero? You know, Marvel's <laughs> Avengers, a video game, it tried to forget that by 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 so desperately wanting Inhumans to be mutants <laughs> that whole game yeah. so badly <laughs> wishes she was a mutant. Oh, it's it's kind of sad. Kind of sad. <laughs> if only, if only. There's still hope. Like, can we get a can we get a Scarlet Witch level retcon? Yeah, yeah. Uh, where <laughs> you know, we find out that you know, she actually the, the Terra Genesis didn't actually affect her becoming you know inhuman. Actually, made like, can we get that? Do that. Instead? It was just really convenient timing. <laughs> it was just yeah. like <laughs> she just happened to be a mutant, and would have happened anyway. Yeah, I, I love it. <laughs> Um, there's a question here about planet size. Uh, Lactuka, one of the new Araka mutants, her last words to Jean were, they know what is in our hearts, or Jean says that about her. Uh, with that character's power set, does this mean she knows Moira is at the heart of Krakoa? Uh, I did not interpret that way. Mm-mm. That is an interesting I interpretation. Uh, right. I, that would be cooler. I just read that to mean, like, she knows they're not 
a-holes. <laughs> yeah, she, right. she knew their intentions were pure. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I kind of I, I took it that way and also kind of took it another way where I thought where maybe like they knew that they were just doing this to like like that like they that she or maybe they knew that there's another agenda or something that's going on other than you know what was obvious. I don't know like but I didn't take it as uh, anything to do with Mora uh, at nah, all. Nah. Like even slightest. I think unless unless it's Hickman you know, basically, it's like there's not going to be more reveals, and basically, like until we get to Inferno, mm-hmm. just just put a pause on expecting anything. I think major, um, maybe some of the build to that, we'll start to get into it, which would be cool. Uh, we do have a good question here, and again in the super chat, and thanks everybody who has contributed and submitted questions here. Will humans try to take Mars away? Is that the new problem Captain America was talking about? So the the Captain America thing is in Marauders twenty one. He told Scott. Summers, um, you guys solved one problem, which that solution being, hey, Rocco's starting to like claim cities in Japan for themselves. <laughs> so <laughs> right. they're becoming a problem. Yeah. So the solution there is, okay, we'll put them on Mars, right? They get their own planet. So problem solved, but you created a new one. The new one being you just claimed a planet in the solar system and basically claimed the solar system. Humanity's probably going to react angrily <laughs> in certain spheres. Um, I don't, I, I mean, I think... Eventually, Orcus will. I, I think there will be some kind of war, some sort of battle. I mean, I think it's very likely. Again, like there's a Sentinel city on Mercury or something. Like it's it's very believable that Orcus would attack Mars or attack Rakoa or something. You know, there could be some sort of giant battle like that. Um, I don't think humanity's in a place right now where they would be successful trying to take Mars away. So I don't think we're right. close to that. Um, but I I do think like it's going to up. I think it's going to up Orcus's timeline as well. I guess is kind of where I know. Mm-hmm. So like Magneto's like, we need to accelerate our timeline because they got a Nimrod. I think it, the same thing's going to happen with with Orcus, and then it's just everything's going to escalate faster and faster. Basically, I would have loved to see, and I don't, I don't think this was uh, the gala was broadcast on TV, but I would have loved to got a couple panels from Orcus's perspective, like seeing them terraform Mars and seeing the fireworks and be like, uh, oh boy, yeah, that would have been kind of cool. Yeah, it's actually funny you say that because. I'm actually kind of surprised we haven't seen them mm-hmm. at the at the at, at any of this because they invited all their other enemies. Did we see? I think we saw Henry Peter Gyrick. I want to say, oh, yeah, we saw is... Gyrick technically is Orcus. Technically, but yeah, but it's yeah. but it's like stealth still. Yeah, right, right. They don't know it's he's under Orcus. the radar, right? Mm-hmm. But like, we didn't see Doctor Gregor. We didn't see Director Devo. We didn't see any mm-hmm. of them. Uh, but yeah, you know, we saw the Verendi. Who are right. a very open and obvious enemy? Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, you know, we saw ever. It's I don't, and I'm gonna go to Lynn and say I want to remember that Natalia Volok, the 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 Russian uh, um, uh, diplomat or you know whatever she is, she's been fairly obvious that you know she's against them. She's mm-hmm. been more than fairly obvious mm-hmm. uh, since House of X number one, even. Um, but more obvious in the Marauders issues. And then you've got uh, you know, Ruben Brousseau, who couldn't – like, literally, he's the poster child for, like, hating mutants. Yeah. <laughs> like, like yeah. And, that's it, and that's being in the same – like, that's while being in the same room with, Peter Ga- with Henry Peter Gyrick. Like, you could not be a more obvious hater of mutants than Ruben Brousseau. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I yeah. swear – I. I'm gonna go limb and say that dude says the word muty a lot. <laughs> too much. I, I think <laughs> he often. says it a lot. I, yeah, yeah. I'm 
I'm gonna go limb and say he says it. But every time you know, he speaks, I, everybody wrong. listening's like, I don't like the way he said that. They're like, they're just, <laughs> yeah, everyone's yeah. cringing, like, oh, I don't. A little uncomfortable. Like yeah. It's like, wait, wait, what do you mean, witch breed? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which breed? Keep yeah. talking about, yeah, you know, oh, just what my parents used to call mutants. Uh, but no, <laughs> it's just it's funny to me though that. Yeah, yeah, they invited all these other people, but yeah, we have not really seen Orcus in a <clears throat> official capacity. Right. Uh, more importantly, I I don't know if either have, if y'all have uh, considered this either, but like, I just kind of want to hurry up and get to the next issue of X Force because I feel like Beast needs his ass whipped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. uh, he's he's turning people into monsters. And uh, I, and I'm, and he's confident enough to invite them to the party. <laughs> like, yes, like he turned them into yeah. monsters. Then he's like, "Yeah, this will be fine. Come on down to the yeah. party. What yeah, can no, go wrong?" Yeah. I'm in complete control. He's like, "No, I, I, it's it's fine. Don't worry about it." I Just like. Love your- I love that Emma found him out. I think that yeah. is that's big. I think it's your point, Verno. Like Percy playing that card, that's a big thing. And mm-hmm. I actually think that's going to be pretty critical in Emma's development here, especially in the build towards Inferno and what seems to be a, an alliance maybe with Mystique and with that faction of things where she's mm-hmm. like, wait, like, like Professor X, like you're, you're good with this. Like you're good with Beast, right? You've signed off on all this. Okay. I'm going with Mystique. Like, I really think that's where this is heading. I think her witnessing what Beast did is going to be a huge factor in that. Cause it's just like, it's like, what, what is the upside? Like there's no upside to what Beast is doing. There's just, these horrible things and like he's doing it with impunity currently. Mm-hmm. Well, like she said, when the world finds out what you've done, everything that we've worked for yeah. is basically null and void. Like it's done. You've ruined it. Uh, essentially. And yeah, yeah I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see, like, I'm like, dude, like, when are we going to see the fallout from that? Because I actually thought that like, honestly, I was that, that might've made X-Force probably, Oddly enough, my favorite issue so far out of all the uh, the tie-ins for that reason. Just it escalated it, it, yeah. Yeah, it it took things to the next level, and we know that everyone's leaving pissed off. Right, well, it's a little bit... I, I'm kind of curious about this, because my assumption was, and I'm sure mm-hmm. the same as yours, is that we're going to get to X-Force 13, I think it is, Hellfire issue, and we're going to see like the Telefloronic people wreak havoc at the Hellfire Gala. But mm-hmm. it didn't really seem to have. Everybody seemed to be leaving. Nobody was, yeah. uh, you know, maimed. Mm-hmm. Everybody had all their body parts still. So that's a little bit anticlimactic. They must have contained it. Deadpool, mm-hmm. Wolverine working together, <laughs> something. So but, uh, that's a little bit weird the way that, especially that we got the planet size X Men in the middle of the mm-hmm. event. Right. I think it was, in my mind, as I'm thinking, it, it kind of shows like a lack of faith in the event. Like enough mm-hmm. people weren't going to stick around through all the other tie-ins to get to planet size maybe i don't know i I think i think definitely you're right that like because we've seen how the night plays out that must not have escalated (laughs) in the way that that issue teases right um they're gonna keep it contained somehow in the pages of wolverine i guess we'll find out um i am i am surprisingly pro bringing deadpool into x-force i did not necessarily think i would feel that way but seeing him swim to the island in his little floaty with his snorkel, I was like, oh, yeah, this will be fun. <laughs> I'm his this. quote at the end of that book was perfect. Yeah. Something along the lines of X-Force, you know you want me in you. Like, I just, I'm like, yeah. yes, yes, they do. Yeah, I was kind of like, yeah, yeah, I think I do. Um, all right, we got a, a super chat here that just says, we need a comic that follows Apocalypse and his family and what dangers they face and conquer on their island. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, here for it. I mean, miniseries, limited oh, yeah. series, Apocalypse and Genesis, that would rule. Um no, like, 
Yeah. I mean, that, it is, you know, it's funny. Every time somebody brings up a possible book, it's like, yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, do it. Yeah, no. <laughs> do it. Sign Play off. Dog. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> um, it says, could the Coda kids become the first Chimera mutants? Sinister confirmed he can make humans into mutants, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I don't think they're Chimeras. I don't think that theory is going to play out. Uh, what do you guys think? Or I guess I guess because Verno, you you backed up. No, no. The, or go ahead. Oh, go sorry. Ahead. I think the question. I, I might be wrong, but I think they're asking if maybe Sinister could turn these kids into Chimeras since they so clearly want to be Chimeras. Oh. I could be wrong, but uh, I, I, I read it, it as it was going through. But maybe, yeah. maybe it means something different. Um. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, that book is going a very certain direction, and I don't know if that kind of like as as as, uh, as Dave said, or like until it comes to its inevitable conclusion, it's kind of hard to say one way or the other. But um, I don't know if I want that to be the case. I don't know yeah. if I want the Chimera thing to uh, you know, to be a thing. Like it's. Uh, it almost seems like it would muddy the water. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like it's, it's, it's like, you know, and I, I, I know this is something we, we kind of bring up more often than not the whole, like, you know, Occam's razor. Uh, you know, it, you know the, the less complex <laughs> you know, we get you <laughs> is probably the more likely way that the, the scenario is going to play out. I don't, I don't like muddying the water too much when it comes to, uh, you know, some of this stuff. Because I feel like it cheapens the development you've already gotten. Yeah, I'm with you. It made, it may look good on paper, but execution is a whole other thing. There's a lot of great a, ideas out there that look good on paper. <laughs> it'd be a weird tonal thing to take like the tone, at least from the first couple issues of Children of the Atom that I read, and then have those kids, now you're going to be our warriors in the Chimera and go fight this battle for us. It'd be, it's kind of like the way like I viewed the five during Hoxpox. As okay. like these, like oh god, we all look up to the five, and they're these like special beings now. And then I, I actually enjoyed quite a bit of X Factor, but I would have rather seen X Factor or the five treated in a more like serious tone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Rather than like as the jokey book that they were in, you know. X Factor was a book that I actually assumed before they revealed who the 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 roster of the team was going to be. I assumed X Factor was going to be. The five, like it was. Oh, mm-hmm. this would be the five. It's yeah, like, you know, they're just handling business. Uh, but then we got a different team, which I'm perfectly fine with that team. Right. But yeah, I I do kind of wish that the five were, because they have been built up to be this. You know, like oh oh, we we must you know we speak of them with reverence. You know, they're important right. to you know the entire exactly. structure of our of our way of life. Now let's let's keep keep them in the background. Mm-hmm. Let's keep them in the background. I I, I like Proteus and. And elixir and all of them, yeah, you know, as much as the next person, but you know, let's let's not parade them out every chance we get. Yeah, <laughs> and and too much Proteus means I do my Scottish accent way too much in videos. So frankly, we're all winning <laughs> without hitting that too hard. Um, we got a, another super hat here. Says, "Love you guys. I enjoyed Planet Size, but would have enjoyed it a lot more had Merle not over promoted it." Uh, this is kind of what I was getting at at the first question. You know, we kicked this thing off with, which basically. Because my expectations got very high, and then they mm-hmm. cooled once Inferno was announced. You know, because I was like, everything's gonna happen in the Hellfire Gala, and then Inferno was announced, and it's like, oh no, 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 it's gonna, it's gonna do one big thing in Planet Size. Otherwise, it's just gonna be a chance to chill and hang out with mutants, and the big stuff's coming in Inferno. So I, I don't fault them for playing it up as this big fun moment. I mean, I think 
why, first off, why wouldn't you market your comics <laughs> intensely? <laughs> I think the buildup with the fashion and the design, like that was, X fans were eating that stuff up. Like X fans oh, yeah. were over the moon about that. Um, so I don't have a problem. I think Planet Size, mm-hmm. I guess just to like bring it all for full circle, you know, we could have criticisms or we could have our own, you know, personal expectations and this and that. I think Planet Size delivers. Like, I think it's it's a moment, it's an event, and it gives a mutant planet to the Marvel Universe. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. So I think for me, the Hellfire Gala, regardless of the ending, it's like, yeah, this was a success. Like, this, this gave us something genuinely big. It's going to shape the comics moving forward. And uh, what else do you want? You know, like it, we're not going to come mm-hmm. out of it being like, oh, what actually happened? Like, we'll remember. <laughs> I think. Right. We'll remember what it right. was. I would say I agree with you. I think overall, like the whole gala has been a little bit better than I expected it to be. I wasn't super pumped for it. I wasn't way into the high fashion and all that. But I, I enjoyed the the I enjoyed the gala. It's yeah, made think- for interesting conversations. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you know, the uh, gone on like you know, Instagram or Twitter and seeing the cosplay community, they've been killing it, recreating all these outfits and almost, yeah, you know, with the exception of things that are more you know fanciful, uh, with almost startlingly uh, uh accuracy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's like like oh my god, like I saw someone like recreate Storm's uh cosplay, some of the recreated Monets, and I was just like. Like there was a guy who recreated sinks. I was like, he had the jacket literally perfect. Yeah. Uh, like it, it was, uh, someone did Colossus, and I was like, oh my god! Like, dude, you this is this is right off the page. Um, I think I've been wearing I've been wearing the Professor X around the house. That has been my. <laughs> I can see you in that. Yeah, yeah. Dude, you got the helmet and every dude. That would be. Dude, that, that, I, I did, I've been I doing. I thought about doing a wardrobe change halfway through this, but uh, I decided not to. You yeah, guys, yeah. I did get suited. Yeah. I figured this one's at Mars, so it's like, what's what's the wardrobe on Mars? I don't know yet. We we got to watch. Wear something red. You know, you, yeah, yeah. You, I know. I know. I could have done that at least. <laughs> uh, what do you guys think? Final thoughts on uh, on the event, on where things are going, things we didn't cover or talk about today. Any uh, any big stuff? Verno, I'll start with you. Anything you want to make sure we get to? Uh, I would like you guys to notice that I have an Occupy Mars shirt on. You know, tell me how cool it is. You know, that Reagan, is my Reagan final thought. Yeah. (laughs) No, that's pretty much it. I'm really looking forward to seeing Duggan and Pepe Larraz on on their X Men. I have no idea what to expect out of that run, but I'm I'm very excited for it. Honestly, have you read their? So I didn't know this until they got announced. They were on Uncanny Avengers during Duggan's run on Uncanny, kind of set during Mm -hmm. the Secret Empire time period. Um, Because I was like, I'll admit, like I had no knowledge of Pepe Larraz as an artist until Mm -hmm. House and Powers. And what I've realized since is, like, he was very much around in the Marvel Comics landscape. He did, like, seven or eight issues with Duggan on Uncanny Avengers, which are really, like, going back, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, Pepe LaRoz rules. I'm like, how did I, like, how was I sleeping on these? I think it's because they were a part of, like, the story wasn't a big moment, and I wasn't super high on Secret Empire, and some of it's tied into that, you know? So it's just like, but it is, it's interesting to go back and read those and kind of see what they were doing circa 2016 2017 um and then the other laraz book is um kanan the last padawan if you're a, a star wars rebels fan it's actually one of the oh, first star yeah. wars books pep laraz is on that too and i'm like what That's, <laughs> like, i, no I picked that one up recently because i've got the trade and i loved it when it came out but yeah. i didn't know who pep laraz was at the time yeah i opened it up and instantly i was like oh pep laraz yeah he he he's incredible man i'm really curious to see how many issues consecutively he'll do because right 
I would assume just looking at his art, it takes him longer to draw a page than it takes someone with a, a less detailed style. Yeah. Clearly. So yeah, we'll see about that. I really hope he can do a, a, a majority of the issues consecutively. Right. Right. Sam. Yeah. I, I honestly don't, I can't remember where I originally, uh, you stumbled across Pepe Larraz. It wasn't in house of X though. He was like doing somewhere... covers for X Force just prior. To... Right, I think that <laughs> might have been where it was from. And then, like, just and for whatever reason, my brain just kind of went like, "Oh yeah, you've always been seeing this. This is, this is <laughs> yeah." Uh, and, and there's also, uh, you know, not just that, but there, you know, between uh, Pepe Larraz, R.B. Silva, and uh, um, uh, Jorge Jimenez, and, uh, and and so many other various and sundry artists that you know we have scattered across Marvel and DC and the Indies and whatnot. Like honestly, I'm just like, oh my god, this is like I just see the art. I'm just like, dude, what is what's going on here? But yeah. uh, you know, Pepe Larraz has a style that just I honestly don't know how they're going to keep him on this book. Right. I have no idea. I'm actually kind of scared uh, right? for this book after ten issues uh, <laughs> because it's like it was with uh, Children of the Atom. I think it, it took what two or three issues before they switched from uh, Bernard Chang to right. uh, was it Paco Medina? I think he's doing it yeah, now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, mm, I don't know. I don't know. I felt the same way about, uh, about Lionel Francis Yu on, on some books. I was like, they're not going to keep, not gonna keep. He was, he was pretty consistent. So uh, long. It's like, nah, they kept him on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I want Pepe Larraz to hang around, but it's like, it's one of those deals. If this X-Men title, if this is the one that they're going to go, we want to go 50 issues with this. I'm like, mm. You gonna hang on, Peppy? You got the you, 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 you gonna stick around for this? Yeah. Are we gonna kind of spell you every now and again, like every <laughs> like you know, five or six issues? We spell you out, bring in somebody else. He's like, hey, RP, come in and handle this for me. Right. That would be uh, if you're gonna issues. switch. <laughs> if you want to pepper in some some RB Silva in between him, give it that Hoxbox feel. Mm-hmm. That would be a very good fit. That would work. Yeah. yeah hashtag but, free RB. Hashtag free yes. RB Silva. Let's get let's get him back in the X line. I think that would be <laughs> yeah. great. <laughs> uh, we got a good question, I think, to end things with here uh, in the Super Chat. And again, thanks so much to everybody who's been hanging out, chatting, uh, providing questions. Um, super fun to have, be able to do these live and have people hop on and uh, and listen to his chatter. But we got the question here. Will Mystique set Moira X on fire again in Inferno? Ernie, let's start with you. Will Moira be set ablaze? Man. I actually kind of hope she – I don't know if she'll be successful but I think she'll try. Yeah, yeah, right. I think she will try. Like it, it's something that I, I feel, because that's a that's too strong a callback to House of X to not put into motion. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm gonna say at the very least she's gonna try. Okay, uh, I like it. Whether she's successful or not is a whole other story. I think she's just gonna get singed. You know, what, singe. you know what just popped in yeah. my mind. I think it'd be an interesting thing to happen in Inferno, is for Mystique to die at the end of it. Mm. And then we have to make the decision, okay, are we going to bring back Mystique? Where does she fall on the on the resurrection queue? That, that raises some troubling ethical dilemmas for, mm-hmm. from a Kronos perspective because now you've got no precogs, no clones, no no mean mysti- mystiques. <laughs> you start getting wait, wait. fast and loose with that, yeah. Do you bring her back and then just put her in the hole? Mm. <laughs> right. Oh, brutal. <laughs> like resurrect her just to put her in the hole with Sabretooth. <laughs> oh, God. That's another thing I, I hope. I would love 
like say Inferno issue one, first thing we get is Mystique breaking Sabretooth out of the hole. Yeah, like, I think that's gonna. Let's happen. get Mystique loose or uh, Sabretooth loose on the island. I think that's likely in Inferno for sure. I mean, I, also I got to give shouts to uh, Celine. Made a big X Corp appearance today. Shouts to Celine for never being put on trial for murdering tons of people in the tiny hissy coats, uh, Captain America. <laughs> Somehow skirted that, <laughs> was never put on trial, and uh, is just hanging out on Krakoa living her oh, best no. life. See, see, no, what you don't understand is those are redacted. That's a redacted file. We, we, that, that, that thing's been sealed shut. We're Nobody not, knows we're about it except, like, Shuri and uh, Sharon Carter. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and they're not on Krakoa. So, yeah, Celine is all good. Um, yeah, awesome. All right, thanks everybody for listening. This was a blast. I uh, really appreciate the questions and the contributions here in the chat. Uh, we, you can find. Uh, well, I'll, I'll let you guys do it. Um, uh, Verna, where can people find you? Uh, first of all, go check me out. Uh, the Cerebros comics and more. I do weekly non-spoiler reviews. Come out every Wednesday morning or Thursday morning. Got a whole bunch of books and uh, have awesome guests like you two on occasionally and we, we talk comics and uh, if you want to follow me do it on instagram at cerebros the or on twitter at t cerebros perfect ernie where should people look for you uh you can find me on youtube uh yeah youtube.com forward slash blurred without fear uh i'm always there uh even even when i'm not uh <laughs> i can also uh be found on the social medias uh, honestly, it just is easy. If you just look up Blur Without Fear. You'll you'll find me. I mm-hmm. my, my my SEO is mostly on point. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but no, Blurred minus Fear uh on Twitter and uh, I'm not really active on Facebook or Instagram. So I'm gonna be brutally honest. If you hit me up there, you're kind of talking to you know a brick wall at that point. <laughs> but uh, Twitter is probably the easiest place to get a hold of me. Cool, uh, cool. Awesome. And I'm Dave. You can find my stuff at comicbookherald.com, at comicbookherald on the socials, and of course the Comic Book Herald YouTube channel where I do videos like this, Cracking Krakoa, uh, weekly with all of the good, good X-Men comics. And I've been doing these casual Krakoas live, uh, basically, you know, kind of like this, but just myself talking X-Men comics and theories the day of, which people have seemed to be enjoying live, um, which has been fun. It's fun to hop on after reading the books and just like, you know, like pretend like I actually have people who want to talk comics with me <laughs> the day they come out <laughs> that don't live at the shop, you know, <laughs> like, like that's, uh, that's nice. So <laughs> it works for me. You guys are officially, you and the people that join me on the show are the only people in the world that I know that read comic books. Yeah, that yeah. Is it. So yeah. no oh, real wow. life comic book conversations ever happening over here. No, it's uh, it's one of the, my favorite things about doing uh, doing Comic Book Herald is like finding communities of people who actually enjoy talking about comics. Uh, it's <laughs> right. a blast. I love it. So thanks so much, guys. Thanks everybody for listening and.